Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is going to be episode number 392, and this is going to be with Lance Crowther of Timberland Outfitters. Uh, and uh, encourage you guys to follow him on Instagram. I want to thank you guys for your loyal support of this podcast. And I want to encourage you to send me any questions or comments at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com or on my Instagram account at jscottoutdoors. Send me a direct message through Instagram. Now, I will tell you, I'm headed, Dar and I are headed to Sonora, Mexico to do our coos deer hunts uh, and won't be back till the end of the month. Uh, so we're going to have a little bit of a break here on the podcast, uh, but I just really appreciate all your loyal support, and I appreciate the sponsors as well. Uh, guys, as you know, Go Hunt Insider uh, has just released their 2018 uh, draw odds, and they are the most accurate draw odds on the market today. You have to be a Go Hunt Insider member in order to have access to all of the Western states and all of these accurate draw odds. Uh, to do so, go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott. By doing so and clicking and following the prompts there, you're going to get a $50 Go Hunt gift shop gear, uh, gift card, and you're going to be automatically uh, credited $50 uh, towards that gear shop. And uh, go ahead and take advantage of that promo code uh, and sign up for a year membership on the Go Hunt Inside. I want to thank them for doing such a great job. Uh, on uh, the Go Hunt Insider and getting all these odds done uh, prior to these draws. Uh, also, I want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting uh, and Jason Harrison and his crew. Kuyu Ultralight Hunting makes the best uh, ultra lightweight gear out there on the market. And Dar and I have been wearing it since the company's inception. Uh, we use their packs and just uh, love all the great gear. I want to thank Jason uh, at Kuyu for his sponsorship and encourage you guys to go check out Kuyu.com. Check out their uh, all their line of gear on their website. Uh, Phonescope.com, Cheston Davis, uh, they make the best digiscoping adapters, being able to adapt any phone to any spotting scope or any optic. And if you use the JScott16 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount there at all products on Phonescope.com. And uh, last but not least, the Outdoorsman's, the Optics Authority. Cody Nelson and his crew over there in Arizona. Uh, The the Optics Authority, you can reach them at 1-800-291-8065 or go to outdoorsmans.com. If you use the J. Scott promo code, uh, you're going to get a 10% discount there uh, at the Outdoorsman's. I want to thank those sponsors. I want to thank you guys for your loyal support. Uh, We're going to go down and have a great time. We look forward to this uh, all year long. Have a great coos deer hunt. Uh, I will have the ability to check messages periodically, uh, and I will be getting back to all of you guys uh, before the draw. If you have any questions about the draw, don't panic. There is a couple-week period when I will be back. I'll be able to answer questions uh, in regards to the Arizona draw. The deadline, I believe, is the 13th. Uh, of February, and uh, I'll have a couple weeks when I get back to answer your questions. So, guys, thanks for your loyal support. Let's get right to this episode. Thank you. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Lance Crowther with Timberland Outfitters based out of Flagstaff, Arizona. Lance, how you doing? Doing wonderful. Thank you. Right on. Yeah, I look forward to having a chat with you. Uh, we've been having kind of a series on my podcast talking to different outfitters about the upcoming Arizona uh, elk and antelope draws. 
And our deadline uh, for all the listeners out there, and to remind you, I guess, Lance, is February 13th. Uh, that is the deadline to apply online. And uh, I wanted to reach out with you. I follow you on Instagram and uh, thought, you know, you would be a good guy to talk to. And, you know, you might cover some units maybe that we haven't talked about. Maybe we'll have some um, cross-collateralization on, on other units and maybe you can bring something to the podcast of some value for the listeners uh, when they're trying to break down and, and, you know, think about what units they should apply for and why. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to picking your brain. Why don't we just start with a little bit about your background, uh, where you grew up, and uh, what got you hunting and, and what got you starting your guide business. Oh, wow. You want to start from the beginning, huh? Let's go go way back. (laughs) We might bore people. Um, You know, I've just all my life have loved hunting, you know, like I'm sure you did and many people. Um, I I loved uh, helping other people hunt. Even as a kid, I, I remember taking neighborhood kids out squirrel hunting with BB guns, you know, and, Mm-hmm. And uh, I was playing the guide part even then, and and I've always just it's just always been who I was, and and uh, always wanted to do it from a young age, and just really enjoy helping people, you know, enjoy the outdoors like I enjoy it. That's um, awesome, Lance. So, what would you say? What would you say? Like growing up, and and as you started your guide business, and even now, like is there one animal that you that you love more than others, or do you have several that you really, really like, or, or you know, are you kind of single-tracked um, minded as far as, as animals come and like to hunt? My favorite animal to hunt is whatever is in season at the time. That's funny. <laughs> That's, my wife always tells people that. They're like, what do you like to hunt the most, Dave? You just had to pick one. I'm like, don't, I don't want to pick one. And she's like, yeah. whatever's in season, that's what he likes the most. Yeah, I uh, I love them all, and they're all so unique in their own way that uh, I can't I can't single out one. With uh, with this podcast being you know kind of focused around this application season and and what have you with elk um, and and antelope, let's kind of jump back and kind of break it down, and let's say Lance, what units do you like uh, for elk specifically, and what units do you guide in the most? And let's just kind of, you know, maybe tell me which units, and then let's pick one and kind of dive into it. Um, you know, I'm I'm real general with that. There really isn't one unit. Um, it's kind of the same with with species. Whatever unit I'm in at the time, um, I guess my to to look at it a different way. Um, my favorite units would be a unit that is versatile, uh, that has a variety of uh, hunting opportunities, different styles of hunting, a variety of country and vegetation. Because, uh, you know, every unit is, is different from the early season to the late season. So what might be a good late season hunt for somebody is not a good early season hunt, or vice versa. Um, if you know, let's let's just talk, say, early archery hunts. 
uh, everybody loves the early archery hunts because it's during the rut. And that's, that's everybody's main thing. They want to go out and they want to hunt bugling bulls. But as you know, it's Arizona, and they're not always bugling. You know, you, you can't predict what the rut is going to be until you are in that week of your hunt. And so, by what I mean by a versatile unit is, is it an area that if they're not rutting and they're not calling, do you have other opportunities? Like, can you go and glass? You know, some of our uh, hunts where we had our worst rutting action were the years of our best spot and stock action. So my favorite units are, are units that have a lot of variety to them. So you can do lots of different things. Um, With that being and, said, what units, what units do you like? Like what around Flagstaff, you know, maybe, or whatever units for elk, like what would you consider your bread and butter units? You know, I've hunted all the units around the state at some point or another. Um, we do the majority of our hunting right here around Flagstaff um, just because, you know, that's where we live and that's easiest for us. Um, but that, you know, Flagstaff is in the center of a ton of units. You know, that's units 5 through 10. And it just depends on the the, the year the is it an early season hunt is it a late season hunt there's <laughs> in my opinion there's just so many different uh factors to take into consideration for each hunter so you know well, let's, i let's if you were to say if say, you were to go ahead let's just pick one and say you know i guess if you're saying five through ten and you hunt them all Let's just pick one. Let's start with 5A and tell me what you think about 5A for um, this upcoming year and maybe walk through the unit and, and what makes it unique from, from others. Okay. 5A, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and include 5B and 5B South in that. Um, I like those units a lot. Um, they do have a lot of different uh, variety. Um, maybe... 5A and 5B South, not as much variety um, as as 5B does. And when you mean variety, do you mean terrain or type terrain, of vegetation? Or? Both. Both. Okay. Terrain, okay. terrain mostly, you know, which okay. vegetation comes with a different terrain um, that just allows you to do more different styles of hunting. Um, those units have great numbers of elk in them. Um, they're pretty flat units, so when somebody's applying for a hunt, you know, that's something they need to take into consideration, is is what kind of shape are they in. You know, they need to be honest with themselves, you know. So many people really aren't honest with themselves when they're applying, and they apply for a, a, a unit that has done nothing but straight up and down, and they just are beating themselves out of their hunt before they even get on their hunt. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So, so 5A, 5B North, 5B South, out of those three, which one would you say is the uh, 
the, the least rough or the you know not as rough. Probably five B South um, has the least amount of uh, terrain difference, um, but and, and, and you know five B South is a is usually a really great rut hunt. Has lots of uh, has high bull to cow ratio, um, and the rut is pretty good. But then occasionally you get those years where the rut's not so hot. Well, then what do you do? There's not as much glassing opportunity in 5B South as there is in, say, 5B North. Okay. Um, as far as bugling out of 5A, 5B North, 5B South, on, you know, if on a given year, on just, say, average year, 5A, you know, 5A through 5B South, which one of those three units would you say is a more consistent, better bugling unit? Um, from my experience, I would say 5B South. Um, I think it just, uh, there's a lot of, uh, like 5B North, for instance, that has a, a lot of drier country. And when it's dry and hot, you know, that can shut down the bugling. Um, and then back to 5B South has a, has a very uh, high bullet cow ratio. But so 5B not, South not has a more high country lands? 5B South has more high country uh, than 5B North and, and like more ponderosa pine and, and, and even yes. higher country. And, and 5B North is more juniper. And what you're saying yes. is if it gets hot out in the Junies, they kind of shut down? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Um, I noticed that looking at the Game and Fish regs, looking at, you know, 5A has 145 tags this year, uh, 5B North has 144, and 5B South has 200. Um, from a hunting pressure standpoint, um, does any one of those stand out? as being, yeah, a lot more, you'll notice a lot more hunting pressure in one or the other? You know, Arizona, there's, that's just the thing about Arizona. If if you're going to be out hunting in Arizona, there's going to be people. You know, and that's just the way it is in every unit. Um, with that difference in tags, you, you're probably not going to notice a whole lot a difference just because it um, you know if you were able to get up on a high point and look around you're going to see a lot more hunters you know being that 5e south is thick ponderosas flat country if you're going to be on the roads then you're going to see a lot of hunters if you get back in the woods, you're probably not going to see as many hunters. Oh, they'll, they'll be around. You know, it's Arizona. That's how it is. They'll be around. But yeah. But uh, in my opinion, I don't notice that much difference, you know, year to year. It just depends on who has, who drew a tag that year and what part of the unit they know. And is it the part of the unit that you're going to be hunting in? Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm that's looking, what I notice uh, more. Go Hunt Insider is a title sponsor of this podcast, and they just released their 2018 draw odds for this upcoming season. 
taken all of the, you know, what happened in 2017, and I'm looking at uh, 5B North as a non-resident. Uh, it it took 12 points um, to guarantee a tag, as well as in uh, 5B South, uh, it was the same. It also took uh, 12 points to guarantee a tag. Uh, and then 5A, it only took 10 points. So um, just by looking at these odds, I, I would say not knowing, I haven't spent time in 5A, 5B North, or 5B South, I would say that 5A's trophy quality is probably less than 5B North and 5B South. Is that a fair assumption? Um, <laughs> Those I feel like those units personally are are very similar. Okay. Um, okay. I think that that number may come from um, people not knowing how to hunt that unit. Uh huh. Being that being like like what we had already talked about, typically Five B South has a little bit better bugling, which is going to give people better success. Five B North has a better uh, or more versatile, more variety of terrain, which right. gives people more options to their hunting, which is going to give them better success. Mm -hmm. And I would say 5A uh, doesn't have those things, obviously, uh, or not as much of those things, and that may be the difference. 5A is pretty timbered throughout the whole unit, right? Yeah, the north, the far north end goes out to cedars and even out to the flats. Okay. When you're looking at 5A, 5B north, and 5B south, from a, from other than the archery hunt, if you're looking at late hunt uh, possibilities, whether it be um, archery or late rifle, out of those three, which one stands out at you as the best, you know, a better pick for late rifle? Or, or 5B North, 5B okay. North would just because of the, the variety in the terrain. and gives you more options. Okay. okay. And I'm, I'm looking at it. I didn't realize this, but I think they actually, let me see here. I think 5B North um, and 5B South are all together as a late hunt. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, that, that's true. They did, uh, I think they changed that last year or the year before and made that that way. Okay, interesting. I'm looking at the odds um, for that, and it's, uh, let's see, seven points guaranteed you a tag last year uh, on that hunt. So, in other words, on that late hunt in 5B North, 5B South, they combine the units. Um, so you get the, the density of 5B South, a little more elk, and, but then you get the huntability of 5B North. So on a late hunt scale, I mean, is that is that a hunt that you kind of like? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump down. Um, let's jump down and talk about 6A and 6B uh, while we're here, and let's bump okay. back and talk about archery, um, archery hunts in 6A and 6B. Now, I noticed uh, 6A uh, obviously has a ton of tags, but it has a ton of elk. Tell me about 6A and, and your history with 6A and, you know, what what you see going on there. I love 6A. 
again, back to this, such a variety of terrain. It has everything because it drops off the Mogollon Rim, you know, so you got the Ponderosas up top. You even have a little bit of uh, spruce and aspen up on Mormon Mountain, you know, and it drops all the way down into, into desert and chaparral country. So I love that unit. Yes, it has a lot of tags, um, but it's a huge unit also. So, okay. you know, there's there's definitely places, just like in any unit, where you can go and you can find a lot of hunters. If you put forth the work, you can find areas without very many hunters also. And it usually doesn't take much. Most of the hunters, it's a unit with a lot of roads in it. And most hunters will stick around those roads. You know, so you can get you can get into some serious backcountry, but it's a unit that you don't have to get into serious backcountry either because it has elk all over the place. So I really like uh, I really like six A. Six B is a lot different. Six um, B elk country is only half the unit really. The upper half up on top of the rim. And uh, 6B, as far as uh, the early hunt goes, if, uh, if they're not rutting and calling well, it's a tough hunt because it's just flat ponderosas. And there's really no glassing opportunity for the early hunt because everything is up top. So I prefer not to put in for that one for that. Um, I think a lot of people have trouble in that unit because of that and the draw. So that's pretty, from your perspective, that's like a that's like a look elsewhere for you. Um and the, the draws are pretty good, but you you're kind of a that's a look elsewhere type of unit. Yes. Yes. Um and the the late hunt in that unit, um and you and you you're starting to see this in a few other hunts. The late hunt in that unit, being that that uh, unit is surrounded all all sides by the rim there, um, the the bulls will drop off the rim into the big canyon country, and it used to be a really great late hunt. You could you could drop off into that nasty country in glass, and just sift through the bulls, um, but these days with people, uh, they're a lot more efficient with glassing and range finders have made everybody more efficient in shooting that they're putting a lot of pressure on the late season. The big bulls get a lot of pressure. There's not very many places they can hide. And so the, the trophy quality has taken a hit in that unit. And you're starting to see that in several other units too where uh, where the country is big canyons and the, and the elk will pile up in these big canyons and people are just getting to be more efficient at killing those elk these days and so it's starting to take so what you're saying is it's like the the late hunt the, the guys are getting better at hunting elk in the late hunts because they're glassing better they're be, they're able to shoot further they're able to shoot better and so they're actually, we're actually hurting our herd as far as age class or trophy quality in a lot of these late hunt units because of how good the hunter's getting. Um, yes. That's what I hear you saying. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's what very, I've seen. Very good. Um, and that's something that the game fish needs to start taking into consideration too. 
is okay. in those in those units. And it's it's not every unit, you know, but there are specific units in the state that are just the elk really will pile up in these areas in these canyons where that kind of hunting um, just takes its toll on it. And it doesn't in other words, in one year, but it happens over the years and. Over time, it chips away, chips away at the age class, right? And and yeah. So what you're saying though is, when guys get good at hunting late elk, once would you agree that they kind of ball up like you're saying, and they kind of find that vegetation, they find that slope, they find that shade. Once hunters kind of identify, hey, if I go look in these areas that have this vegetation, this kind of contour and shade and slope, we're going to knock them dead. And, and so the hunter has evolved and, and gotten where they're, they've become almost too efficient. And you're saying the game of fish needs to take note of how good hunters are getting because it's starting to affect, you know, the overall quality of the herd. Yes. And they, okay. you know, they do uh, take that in consideration, you know, the, the success rates, obviously, you know. That's why you see hunts like, the the late archery hunt where success rates are lower so they can give out more tags but uh and it's not in every unit you know not every unit is 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 being hit hard by those late hunters but that 6b is definitely one of them that i've seen over the years growing up here in flagstaff um definitely a big hit there um, okay, Lance, I've got a question for you on 6A has a 30 tag early rifle hunt. Um, is that is that in your mind a premium tag and, and is that one that you really like to guide? And, and what kind of quality, you know, how is that hunt? That's a great hunt. Um, it's going to take a lot of scouting. You know, there's not monster bulls around every tree, but it's a big unit with a lot of elk. And there is a lot of, of really big bulls that are uh, worthy of that tag. And, yeah, that's definitely a hunt that uh, I'll be having hunters apply for this year. As far as, you know, is it a deal where if you really, really work hard, you can kill a 350 bull? Or, I mean, do you think that, that your sights, if you know, do you think they're even higher than that, or do you think it's a three thirty bull, or what? What kind of quality do you expect on a hunt of that caliber out of six A? You know, if it uh, obviously comes down to each hunter and their abilities. Uh, if <laughs> if a person can only road hunt, I mean, obviously that's going to make a big difference, right? If it, if, I like to put it, if it was a my tag in my pocket, I would be realistically looking for something over 380. Okay, good. Okay, let's let's take a step back here for a second because we kind of dove into these units. Mm -hmm. What are the conditions up there? How dry is it? What's your forecast? Like, what do you see? How do you see this playing out with this upcoming season? What are you thinking? Excuse me. So, it's definitely extremely dry. I've never seen it this dry this time of year. But it is Arizona, and we're no stranger to drought. You know, every year in the springtime, it it dries up. And uh, so, we're hoping that, 
you know, this is one of those years that uh, come in like a lamb and go out like a lion because we just need the moisture um, so our forests don't burn up. But as far as as far as elk goes, it's hard to predict what's going to happen. Like I said, you know, it comes down to the week of the hunt and the conditions that week. Um, but as far as you know, I it it reminds me of something. You hear a lot of people talk about uh, a dry year. I hear a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm not going to apply for Arizona this year because it's been dry and the antler growth is going to be down, and it's not going to be a big uh, a good hunt." And personally, I don't agree with that. You know, as far as antler growth goes, their the length of their antlers that's genetics. You know, you hear a lot of people say. Oh, it was it was a, a dry in the early part of the year, and so the elk has small fronts. But if an elk has small fronts, that's his genetics. Where it does make a difference in the antlers is the density of the antlers. I'm not talking mass. I'm talking the the density, the strength. How of brittle antler. they are, strength of it. Yes, brittle, exactly. And so. And you see that in a lot of these drier units, like like take 9 and unit 10, for example. Um, <clears throat> you always hear about people talking about how all the antlers are busted up on the late season. Well, that's probably the main factor is that, in general, it's a dry unit. And they just don't grow very dense horns. They grow the long horns. They have great genetics. But the density of those horns are just not the same. You know, there's other factors too. They're like a, a high bull to cow ratio, so they're fighting a lot. But those horns are definitely, as a whole, less dense just because of the dry and the, the feed they get. You know, I mean, if you think about it, like a person, I'm six foot four. I'm going to grow to six foot four no matter what, unless you really, really deprive me of food. Something very serious, you know, to, to stunt my growth. Now, growing out sideways, that's a different thing. You know, <laughs> <you> get, <laughs> I can all up do to, that, can't we? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But as far as my height goes, that's genetics, you know. And same with these bulls. They're going to grow long horns. They're going to grow... Uh, a big bottom and a small top. If that's his genetics, that's what he's going to grow the next year too. <clears throat> um, and if it makes a difference in length, it's not something that you're going to notice. You know, year to year, it's it's so minimal. Okay, what really about bugling though? What if what if there's the feed, what if it's dry and the feed's not good? Have you have you seen? Dry years versus wet years, bugling versus not bugling, and do you think there's any correlation? Um, like I mentioned before, it comes right down to the week of the hunt. I've tried to predict it. You know, everybody tries to predict it, and then the hunt's over, and everybody was wrong. You know, <laughs> it, <laughs> I've seen plenty of dry years that were just the, the best hunt ever. And, and wet years, you think, oh, they're going to rock. We're, it's it's going to be awesome. And then there not be any bugling. It's just you really can't predict it, you know. And with Arizona, 
you get a certain amount of days to hunt, and you just need to make the best of it. You know, have a good attitude about it, get out there and make the best of it. And that's why, as I mentioned before, I like the, the units with a lot of variety of terrain so that if the bugle's not good, you can switch it up. And still yeah. go hunting, you know. Because you see a lot of people, if the bugle's not good, they're back at camp by 9 o'clock just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. But yeah. you didn't you didn't spend 8 or 10 years trying to draw an Arizona tag so you could sit in camp twiddling your thumbs. It's, you, you did that because you want to kill a bull. Right. You know, so you just got to be ready to make the best of the hunt when it gets there because you really can't predict it. You can say, oh, it's dry or, oh, it's wet and make all the kind of predictions you want. But in my opinion, you can't predict it. I've seen everything. You know, we get the archery hunt. We in two weeks long, I always have hunters ask me, well, which week is better? And I can't tell, you know. Every year is so Because you've different. seen it both ways. So you've seen it where the I've first seen. week's great and you've seen it where the second week's great. Yes, I'm sure you have. Or, We've been doing this person. long yeah. enough that... Some years that first week is awesome, and some years it's the second week that's better. You know, some years they're both great. Some years they're both bad. <laughs> yeah. Let's jump into 7, uh, 7 East, 7 West. Break those down for us. It looks like 7 East has 120 tags. 7 West has 175 tags. And then I know there's the, uh, the Peaks unit as well. So let's talk about, let's talk about 7. So, Seven East is really uh, uh, an interesting one to talk about right now because of that peaks-only hunt that you mentioned. Um, they started that hunt, uh, you know, around the San Francisco Peaks area, and that was because of the Forest Service and not actually the the idea of the game of fish, and so that kind of stinks. And they wanted to reduce the pressure of the elk that the, that the elk were putting on the aspen trees for aspen regrowth, regeneration. Um, in my opinion, there's plenty of aspens up there now. But that hunt, back to the hunts, that hunt has really hurt Seven East. That peaks area is the core of that unit. And they have really taken the numbers down, and it has really hurt that unit as a whole. The elk numbers are down. The quality is way down. Um, so that's one that you know, I'm not going to have any of my hunters apply for that this year. Um, they changed that hunt. I noticed it's not the Peaks hunt. You know, and, and, and that Peaks hunt... It it was a great hunt. You know, we took a lot of hunters on that hunt. We're part of the the killing off of the elk, you know. Um, a very unique hunt, a very fun hunt. We've killed a lot of great bulls on that hunt. But it's time they got to quit that hunt. Um, and they did change it up this year. They they took out the peaks only area and they they put in a Kachina Peaks area. So it's a little smaller. It's only the wilderness area now. Um, before, it included a lot of country out beyond the wilderness boundaries. But now it's the only the, the Kachina Peaks wilderness. And they've lowered the tags. So that's a start. That's a help. But 
I've been uh, talking a lot with uh, the Game of Fish Commission Chairman uh, Jim Ammons, and uh, we're trying to get him to stop that hunt as a whole and uh, start on a recovery of that unit. Do you think that's um, achievable? In a few years, yeah. Yeah, it's not going to bounce back right away, but uh, it's a great unit. Um, great terrain, a lot of good feed, um, good genetics, but it's going to take a little bit. They're going to have to quit doing that hunt. Um, <clears throat> the past, the past two or three years or so, that hunt has been like the late hunt has been really good draw odds. The best. I think it was the best late hunt draw odds out there, but uh, that's because people can't find the elk because they're not there, so they don't put it in for it again the next year. Let me ask you a question, Lance. With the with the decrease in numbers of elk and quality and and quality of elk and you know the seven east getting pretty much decimated, has that affected seven west at all? As far as do you think there's crossover bulls, and has it affected the quality of of elk in Seven West? It does not seem to have affected it. Um, I thought it would, but in being out there in all kinds of seasons, I have not seen it affect Seven West. And Seven West is doing excellent right now. In fact. Um, the trophy quality is really high in Seven West. They're pulling a lot of great bulls out of there. The numbers are really high. I mean, you can literally, and I've done it dozens of times, sit on the border of Seven East and Seven West, and that Seven East side be like crickets chirping, and the Seven West side be just lit up with elk. Why? Um, well, apparently they're... They're totally different units. Um, I think, like I like I mentioned before, what I can figure is that, like I mentioned before, that the peaks are the core of that unit of seven east. Um, and I think the core, if you were to to transfer that to seven west, you know, you have some big mountains in seven west also that are that are just like the peak, the peaks, you know, uh, Kendrick Mountain. Uh, it's just an elk factory, in my opinion, um, and and I'm sure there's there's a lot of reasons that I don't know about yet, you know, because this has just come about in recent years, and I'm still trying to figure out why it hasn't affected it as much as you would think it would, but uh, it just hasn't. I'm very confident in Seven West on all the hunts; they're doing really well. I noticed that they have a muzzleloader hunt uh, this year, and it's in front of the archery hunt. What kind of quality, not only a quality of hunt, but quality of bulls do you expect to come out on that hunt? That's going to be the best. I mean, I personally would prefer that muzzleloader hunt be back at the normal dates after the archery hunt. Um, I consider, uh, if, if I was to pick a, a peak of the rut time, I'd say right around October 1st, 
um, would be the peak of the rut. So it's it's actually early. That muzzleloader hunt is going to be up there, and they're going to have the same uh, situation as we do on the archery hunt every year. You know, it's kind of hit and miss during that time frame. But uh, no, Seven West is doing really well. Like I said, they're definitely going to take some monster bulls at, on that hunt. You know, and and uh, this year several. Uh, monster bulls and 400 plus bulls came out of seven west one of those bulls was a bull that we talked about on another podcast um was a bull that summered you know and has for years in unit nine that big big wide bull that you know guys were calling mm -hmm. flare and everybody had a nickname for him but um would travel you know 30 miles or whatever from unit nine and, and uh travel for the rut and was running it was talk of him running several years in a row in seven west and he finally got killed in seven west um mm -hmm. one question i would have you is the decline in seven east at all affected unit nine at all because you know there's some crossover there between seven east and and unit nine obviously not the peaks but if the quality in 17th, do you think there's any crossover and has it hurt that south end of Unit 9 at all? I definitely uh, have seen fewer bulls in the south end of Unit 9 um, on the early hunts, but uh, the just, just going back to, to weather, um, and dry weather and and stuff the uh i think you need to talk about vegetation and unit nine actually that southern end of unit nine sits higher than that northeast of seven east or that north end I'm sorry of seven east and uh the past couple of uh years that north end of seven east has been really dry and hasn't had any cedar berries or uh pinion nuts i'm in mean, some places here and there but as a whole a lot of uh a lot of the, the cinder cone area out there hasn't had that um i don't think a lot of people have realized that but in the early seasons the elk are out there because there's new grass from the monsoons but once that grass dries up or is eaten up by the cattle and the elk, um, the elk have been leaving. So you, you find an elk out in seven east out there in the cedars on the early hunt, but for the late hunt, they've left because there's no food. Well, I first I thought they were going back toward the mountain, toward the San Francisco peaks, but they're not. Actually, they're... The majority of those are going into southern unit nine because like i said it sits a little higher and unit southern unit nine has a lot of cedar berries a lot of pinion nuts um and you know the the, the cedar berry the the juniper berry is a big source of feed all over arizona um, do you think so, that do you think it's one thing that people don't realize how much the elk actually eat the juniper berries? Yeah, I think most people don't think about it at all. 
and that's that's something to you know for people to take into consideration when they're applying for a hunt. You know, if it's a dry year, does your your unit that you want to apply for does it have a variety enough that there's different feed? Yeah, I think you that's a great that? point. I think that's a great point. Let's jump into unit eight. Unit eight. So unit eight's a little bit like six B. Um, it hasn't been hit as hard as 6B, but it's kind of built the same in that it's got the high, uh, the high uh, ponderosas, and it's pretty flat unit, um, and they really aren't down in the canyon country uh, during the late, I mean, sorry, during the early hunts. They are during the late hunts. Um, so they do they do get hit really hard during those late rifle hunts in those big canyons, and I personally have noticed a, a definitely a, a drop in bull quality in that unit as well. But uh, it's still, in my opinion, a great unit. On the early hunts, um, say the early rut hunts, it is pretty flat. They're not down into the canyon so much. The eastern, I'm sorry, the western part of the unit does go down into some rolling cedars and stuff. So there is some glassing opportunity there. But if it's if it's not a good rut year, unit eight's tough on the early hunt. Just because there's not a whole lot of... Uh, different terrain and, and glassing opportunity as far as where the elk are at. That's my opinion on it. Yeah, but, no, I uh, mean, it's, it's always been one of those units that, you know, it used to get mentioned in the, you know, 8, 9, 10 talk, and, mm -hmm. you know, there from time to time there was always a big bull or every couple of years or every, you know, four, five, six years there was always, you know, one big bull that you'd shot and you'd kind of enter back into the conversation and, you know, mm -hmm. I've said it on several podcasts. It's kind of the, you know, it's kind of the redheaded buck two-step child of, of units that it used to be mentioned kind of in the upper tier, but it seems like tag numbers have kind of been steadily, you know, kind of going up, and the general consensus is overall quality is down, and it's always been a little bit of a finicky bugling unit. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yeah, and then like I said, it makes it tough because it's a lot of flat country, a lot of thick ponderosas and uh, no glassing opportunities over majority of the unit there are some but uh, you know but then you get back to the feed too on a dry year or, or if the the rut's not going on very well is that cedar country in that little western and southern portion of the unit going to have good enough feed to attract the elk you know last year um a large portion of that cedar country didn't have the feed and the rut was not going very well in unit 8 and so when you go out to glass the cedars there just wasn't any elk in a, a large portion of it some of it did some of it had some good feed and there was there was uh, elk to be glassed up there but all the other people who liked to glass and were having a hard time 
with the right, right next we're to you. already we're right there glassing right next to you you know and and many yes. times you just have people walk right up and sit right next to you but that's Arizona you just got to keep smiling and, and and move on all right unit nine Unit 9, everybody talks about Unit 9. <laughs> the famous um, Unit 9. The, the, the famous Unit 9. I'm Ooh. almost sick of talking about it, to be honest with you. See, it, it's a good unit, but I think it somewhat gets talked about too much. Yes, it is. Um, unit 9, it's a great unit. Can't, can't say anything about uh, bad trophy quality in there, you know, the good numbers of elk. The thing I don't like about Unit 9 is the draw odds. You know, there, when you, when people apply for Unit 9, I think a lot of people are misled applying for Unit 9. I think, oh, I have to apply for Unit 9 because it's mentioned in all the magazines and everything, and, and anybody who's anybody kind of an elk hunter, if they mention Unit 9, then they're, you know, they must the know milk. what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. In the no. Well, the draw odds are horrible. You can draw three tags in another unit in a time it takes you to draw one tag in unit nine. And if you look at the success rates, they're good, but there's still tons of people that go home from unit nine without an elk at all. You know, is that what they they planned on to apply for it for 12 or 15 or 20 years so that they could go home without an elk. And in my opinion, that's not very fun. I want to hunt elk. I'd much rather have three tags than one tag. And in my opinion, it's Arizona. These these elk hunts, you know, we're, we're talking about areas that are, you know, shy away from this area right now or something. But still, it's Arizona. You can draw that tag, and it's still probably better than than the majority of all the other elk hunts in the world. So, well, I definitely so think that's a good point. Yeah, you can't discount these other units. You know, we're just comparing one the unit in Arizona to another unit in Arizona. Right. You right, know, but right. they're all good. You can find monster bulls in every unit. And what's what's the person when they're when they're thinking about applying, they gotta ask themselves what kind of bull they looking for. Oh sure, everybody wants a four hundred inch bull, you know, but be realistic. They're not behind every tree. How many thousands of hunters go home every year without a four hundred inch bull or even seeing one? Um when you and, and, and Unit 9 is not the only one that's super hard to draw, you know. So so I tell hunters, you've you got to have realistic expectations. If, you're, if you want a 350 bull, you can find a 350 bull in, in any unit in the state. It's Arizona. Yeah. What are your odds of having three tags or one tag? Which one's going to give you better odds? You know, if you have three tags... And say, you know, uh, if you get to hunt three different times and get cracks at, you know, getting elk hunting three different times as opposed to one time, you're yes. thinking over those three times you're going to shoot, you know, better, you know, a couple of better bulls than you might even shoot waiting the whole time for unit nine. Yes. 
Yeah, you know, you could kill, you got a chance to kill three bulls. You might kill two nice bulls and one big one in the chance you have to kill maybe one big one. And, you know, and I, I mentioned all the people that go home every year from, from Unit 9 without an elk at all. There's still a ton of people that, out of those people that did kill an elk, how many of them actually killed a world-class elk that was worth 20 years of waiting? Not many. Not what many. you're saying is the majority in nine, they, they walk away with a 320 bull, and they could have shot if three that. of those in these other, in these other units and, and done it three times. Yes, they could exactly. have shot three times. That they got the same bull. Maybe the experience is not quite as good. You know, there's there's more tags in these mid tier units. Maybe they didn't have quite as good a bugling, but they shot three of the same bulls and probably had some pretty decent bugling in those three years. That's what you're saying. Yes. You know, All right, let's I mean, jump there's... to let's jump to unit ten. Okay. Talking about unit ten. I mean, I think the biggest thing to talk about is is the Bokeas Ranch and their fees that they have for for hunters and guides on that ranch. It's a it's a big change. It's a big deal, um, and a lot of people don't know about it, and they need to look up that uh, the website the the what is it bigbow.com. Bigbow dot com I think yeah yeah. And uh, look at what that entails. Unit 10, I love Unit 10. It's a great hunt. Um, in my opinion, Unit 10 has a lot of variety in terrain, even though it's fairly flat. Um, there's a lot of different stuff in Unit 10. If it's not happening in one part of the unit, you can drive around 100 miles to the other side of the unit, you know. But... Uh, do you like quality. unit ten? Do you like unit ten better than nine? I do, actually. You know, I hunt unit nine a lot, and and I love it. It's it's good. One thing I like about unit ten, I think that the I think the reason I like unit ten more than unit nine is because hunters' attitudes are different in unit ten. Um, and I don't want to, you know, make people shy away from Unit 9, but there, there is definitely a uh, attitude there of, I took 20 years to draw this tag, and now this is my unit, and nobody else deserves to be here. Get out of my way. Yeah. yeah, and unfortunately, that does happen, and that's too bad. Um, I run into that a lot in Unit 9, and not so much in Unit 10, and I think that's why I like Unit 10 better. I can get away from hunters. On so Unit 9, it, uh, I mean, Unit 10 has a lot of roads too, but Unit 9 has a lot of roads. Um, when those big bulls go from their bedding area to their, or their feeding area to their bedding area, you know, they cross two or three or sometimes four or five roads. And so any any hunter who's driving the road or whatever has does have a chance to to find these elk and put a lot of pressure on them, you know. Where there's a lot of units. It's ten. There's not as many roads. There is plenty of roads, but there's there's you can't just drive and cut them off like you can in nine. Yes. In nine, yes. you walk. You you go. Oh, I'm going to get away from a road. You're just getting closer to another road. Whereas ten, there yes. are some areas that you can get away. 
And and the thing I like about Ken is there's relatively really thick areas and relative, you know, there's open areas. And they may cross from thick to open, thick to open, thick to open, going from, um, you know, their beds to, to, to where they're feeding or bed to water. And it gives you a lot of opportunities to, you know, run and gun with them, you know, run as they're breaking through a meadow and they're going into the trees, you know, you can, you can, Get around them. You can use the terrain in in ten pretty good. It's ten's a neat unit um, for Absolutely. sure. I up. like the fact too, Lance. Don't you like that? There's a lot of different glassing knobs in ten as opposed to nine. Has some, but you know, there's tons of knobs and little contour breaks where you can get and look at those elk. Yes, a lot. Back to that variety of terrain. You know, unit nine does have some but you're sitting right next to other people. Yeah, at 10, I can always find a place to, to glass and get away from people. This, I know you were saying uh, 5 through 10, but you also live right there in Flagstaff. What do you think uh, about 11M, and what do you think about that elk hunt in 11M? It's very unique. You know, it's... Uh, the M for, for Metropolitan and it, it surrounds Flagstaff area. Um, you obviously can't hunt inside city limits. So your area is basically uh, a thin donut. Um, you're hunting the outside edges of your area because the inner inner part is, is city. Um, it There's you know, again, back to it's Arizona. There's big bulls. There really is. But there's a lot of people. That, you know, you got to know that you're not getting into the backcountry at all. You can hike back into the deepest parts, and you're still going to have five hikers and three dogs come by. And so if you're, if you're willing to, to hunt like that, then... Yeah, there's there can be some big bulls in there. Um, but I've noticed with with 11M, uh, and 11M only has the early archery hunts. There's no late hunt in there. Um, but you know, some being that it's such a thin unit, the area that you can actually hunt, um, the elk are border jumpers. You can get a big bull in the unit but with a little pressure he goes to the next unit and so there are there are days in 11m where there's not a monster bull in the whole unit now they might be back in a couple days so it's it's in a way it's kind of being that it's so small it's kind of uh i refer to as as plain chess but you can only play on half the board elk leave and you can't do anything about it except for wait till they come back now the the draw odds are a little better and it's an elk tag in Arizona and that's a great thing and over the years we've killed some great bulls in 11m you know it's it's got a variety of uh, terrain there's glassing opportunities there's thick there's open stuff um, but you're going to deal with people. You're going to deal with uh, border jumping elk. 
So typically I don't apply my hunters for it. Um, we do pick up hunters for that unit and we have good hunts. But it's not one I suggest my hunters apply for personally. Didn't they kill a really big bull out of there a couple of years ago? Like a, almost a 400 or was it over 400? It seemed like someone killed a big one. Yeah, there was a big bull that came out of there um, 430s. But that's wow. definitely an uh, exception to the rule, not the norm. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. Well, land it anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's been awesome talking to you about all these different units. Um, I, I want to give you a chance where you can tell people how they can find you, how they can get more information, you know, maybe your Instagram, your website, a phone number, what have you, uh, and uh, any other final thoughts you might have. Okay, I appreciate that. Um, Instagram, we are TLO Hunts, the TLO for Timberland Outfitters. Um, and our Facebook page is Timberland Outfitters. You can follow us on there. Um, and that's, th those are the best way to uh, keep up with us, uh, you know, week-to-week -week stuff. Um, our website is www.tlohunting.com. Um, there's a lot of information on there. We're going to, we've been around a while, so it's kind of an old website, but we're going to uh, redo that this year, actually. Um, but uh, if you want to hunt with us, just get a hold of us before you apply, and like we were talking about today, we like to talk with people, see what their expectations are, what their abilities are, and, and, and match the hunt and unit to each person. And don't you also, um, Lance, don't you also do some limited opportunity and some actual over-the-counter elk um, as well? And um, I encourage people to, if they're interested in that, there's a few opportunities um, to give you a call and, and pick your brain about that. Yes, yeah, it's a very unique opportunity where Arizona has an over-the-counter elk tag um, in specific areas and... Uh, we guide that hunt and do very well. It's not what we consider a normal Arizona trophy hunt, but uh, is definitely an elk killing hunt, and we do really well on that hunt. And uh, the season is pretty much year-round, so it's very unique. But, uh, awesome. yeah, if you're interested in something like that. And, of course, elk isn't the only, only thing we hunt. We hunt everything in Arizona. I know I want to, um, when we get more around talking about deer a little bit later here in the spring, uh, I want to talk to you. You look like you guys did great uh, uh, on the mule deer hunt, so we'll talk about that when the time comes. And uh, just uh, appreciate uh, you coming on and sharing with us, and I love following you on Instagram, and uh, God bless you, man, and uh, thanks, thanks again for sharing here. Yes, sir, and thank you. God bless you. Take care. All right. All right, buddy. Take care. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.